Yo, what is good, Seas fans? It's Nathan here, aka the Boston Brit. Just before we hop into the pod, me and Tom have been advised by Carol from PR that, you know, this pod may contain some cheeky language. So we kind of have to tell you that before you jump in. So if you're sensitive, well, it's probably best you missed the pod. But anyway, let's jump straight into it. Welcome to That UK Celtics Podcast. Tatum drives George right there. Tatum gets a wide open look. guys it is your boston brit aka naif i am here and it is the episode three of that uk celtics podcast i'm joined by my co-host today tom how you going man yeah not too bad mate how are you i'm all good i'm all good saying we're still in rona season so we're not kind of uh, yeah. we're not really doing much are we so no i mean it's probably the worst thing that could possibly happen to me in a house, in a small house with three kids running around, loads of energy, parked to shut. I mean, what more can you do but sit in the porch and record a podcast with some great guys? Well, well, man, that is, that is true. That is true. I don't have kids, so I'm not too bad. So I've just, <laughs> just got to put with the missus, so it's not too bad for me. But anyway, well, that, but... <laughs> let's get straight into it. So our guest today is none other than my guy from NBC Sports Boston. You might have seen me on TV with him once. It is the man himself, Mr. Kyle Draper. How are you going? Fellas, what is up? How are you? Yes, you are both my guys. Nathan, I see you got the Drapes Guy shirt right there. Tom, I got to send you one, man. I got to make sure you get a Drapes Guy shirt also. Yeah, man, 100%. I'm down for that, Drapes, 100%. <laughs> You've got, you got to represent. got to represent what it is. So how, yeah, yeah. How, how, how's it going, Carl? How's it going? I mean, obviously, we're, you know we're stuck in. I think, obviously, you, you're, you're stuck in lockdown as well. How, how are you all coping? Uh, are you driving family crazy yet? Or is it, <laughs> It's um, been tough, man. It's, uh, I, I miss basketball. You know, I miss the garden. I miss the green. I miss the fans. I miss the Celtics. And so, you know, we're all healthy over here, you know, my family and I. But you know, things are going crazy, right? The kids are bouncing off the walls. They want to get out and play with their friends. I want to go out and socialize. And so it's been a rough six weeks or so, whatever it's been. And, uh, you know, I just hope the games come back someday soon. It's, uh, I, I feel empty without basketball right now. Yeah, 100%. I think it's going to be one of the, well, obviously we'll, we'll go into that a little bit more, more in a minute. But I mean, we appreciate your time. Appreciate you coming on. Uh, if I, Met with you in London as well, and obviously I've been on when I came over to Boston. That was that was an unreal experience, probably the highlight of uh, my Boston Brit days so far. Um, so I mean, I, this season, this season, season one of our podcast is all about how how I got into basketball. Uh, obviously, you're a you're a key figure in the Celtics kind of broadcasting world. I mean, I, how did you get into basketball? You know, from was it from a young age? Was it you know how did you get into basketball? Well, I, I've always been a, a fan of basketball and a fan of the NBA. 
And I, I guess my earliest memories of basketball was 1983, go, growing up in Philadelphia and watching the Sixers beat the Lakers for the NBA title. I was about eight years old back then, and, and that's my earliest basketball memory. And ever since that moment, I've been a huge basketball fan. And, and I've gone on record as saying I grew up a Lakers fan, actually. I was a Magic Johnson fan. And so, but you know, more than that, I'm a fan of the league, the NBA, the association. I think it's the best league, uh, professional league in, in the entire world. I, I think we have the greatest athletes, the personalities. I, I just, you know, and so I've always been a fan of the NBA. And here I am 45 now. So we're talking 37 years uh, of being an NBA fan. And, you know, not only a fan of, uh, of those teams in the 80s, but, you know, a, a history, a, a student of the game also, you know, whether it's going back to the 70s and 60s, I just find it fascinating, you know, and, and like I said, I, I'm just a huge fan. And I think hopefully that comes across on TV when I do my show with Scal. It's like, you know, I want the Celtics to win and everything, but more than anything, I'm just a big fan out there talking and, and, and I still get, you know, as much enjoyment today as I did when I was an eight-year-old. Yeah, well, that's, that's, that's awesome. I think, like, so you've, how, how did you get into the whole, have you always wanted to be a sports broadcaster or has it kind of been, you know, you, you kind of, you've, because you've got that love for the basketball and love for the NBA, you, was that something that, you, that drove you to, to do that career or was it something which, you know, it's just kind of... No, this is totally different. You know, a lot of people, you know, you hear them nowadays where they say they, you know, always wanted to be on TV, always wanted to be a broadcaster. For me, I went to college uh, for civil engineering. I was going to be an engineer. That was my pathway uh, until my junior year, guys, when uh, I came across this one math class. And I'll be honest, it kicked my butt. I couldn't pass this one math class. I think I failed it once and I dropped it twice. And so I was struggling. And, and at the time, my uh, roommate in college, he was a sports broadcasting major. And I said, you know what? This engineering thing isn't working out. This is my junior year in college. I said, I like watching sports. I like watching it on TV. Why don't I give this a shot? And here we are, you know, 20 plus years later. And, you know, I got the, the, the you know, job of my dreams. Like, it's, I never would have thought growing up in Philly, being a young kid, that I would be, you know, a Boston Celtics broadcaster. It just never occurred to me until I was about 21 years old, you know, like I said, my junior year in college, didn't things change for me. I'm thankful it did. I'm just going to say that. I don't know how you feel about it, but I am so thankful that for that math exam. I'm so happy. All right, guys, Tom. <laughs> thanks, man. Thanks. Yeah. Can you imagine me being an engineer? That's boring. You know, Nathan, I know you're an architect by day and everything, but an engineer, I, I just couldn't do it, man. Yeah, well, it's, 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 to be fair, it's a bit of a crazy job, to be honest. I'd rather be in your shoes. Uh, just, just literally just drawing with, drawing with, uh, with Scal every, every night, you know, whenever there's a Celtics game. I mean, what, what is it like? What is it like working with Scal? Because, I mean, I work with Tom, and he's an absolute nightmare. But... <laughs> <laughs> What's it the like same, man. <laughs> it, it, it's totally the same working with Scal. You know, it's uh, him and I, you know, I, I like to tell the story one of our first times we work together. So when we get ready for a broadcast, we usually have a, a content call earlier in the day. And usually it's the producer, me and Scow on the phone together. Well, that first time we argued so much. We argued for 20 minutes that we decided, you know what, Scow and I cannot be on the phone together anymore. So the first time I really talk to Scow is when I see him on set, you know, 
because we disagree on so many things. And so just like, you know, Nathan and you and Tom, you know, you guys, uh, it's a pain working with Tom. It's, it's just like that with Scout. But once those <laughs> lights come on, man, we have fun. We clown each other. We laugh at each other. We joke with each other. And so it's, uh, you know, the stuff leading up to it is work. But once we're on there, man, we just like to have fun. Well, it's, 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 to be honest, it kind of, you know, I got to witness it first firsthand. And it was, you know, you two, you do bounce off each other. And it's, it's that kind of relationship which you, you need to be, um, a sports broadcaster where you know you've got the the fire and the ice if you want to call it do you know what I mean where you're you're the ice and scows the fire throwing out absolute nonsense <laughs> um it's the same with me and Tom like Tom throws out some absolute nonsense no, I'm joking mate like it's all love man. I, <laughs> I will say I do throw some stinkers out there to be fair when I when I get my opportunity I do throw some out there see I've replaced this everyone always always goes on to me about the the amount of, um, of well, I'm not going to swear, but the amount of stuff that I give towards the guy that was actually underneath that. But that was the first thing I did pre-production day. I was like, I've got to sort that out. But, you know, I'm a piece of it. I've given it all, but now I think it's move on. Exactly. Move on, right? You covered up the jersey. You know, that guy's name doesn't live around here in Boston. We don't speak of him anymore. We are on yeah. to bigger and better things. 100%. I agree. That's 100%. Okay, so I mean, obviously you, you've kind of touched on it a little bit. So growing up, you know, obviously you were born at, well, you were born in Philadelphia, um, but you supported the Lakers and you ended up at the Celtics. So you've, you've literally, you've gone on the two evils of the Celtics, you know, you supported <laughs> yeah. Philadelphia, which obviously we know that rivalry very well. And then obviously the Lakers, which is, you know, the greatest rivalry in NBA history, I think, anyway. So, I mean, how... How, what was it like? Have you had any grief from any of your family saying, oh, you're, you're, on, you're on TV, doing, you're doing the Celtics, what's going on? Yeah, early on when I moved here to Boston, you know, my parents, they were never Boston fans, never Celtics fans. And so they're like, you're moving to Boston? Why? We hate Boston. But, you know, ironically, a couple of years ago, it was Christmas Day, as a matter of fact, my parents came up for that Celtics Sixers game at the Garden Christmas Day. I hooked them up, guys. I got them good seats, got them first-class accommodations, made sure they have fun. And they said it was the time of their life. So now they are huge Celtics fans, believe it or not. You know, they grew up Sixers fans. They grew up hating the Celtics. But now they are huge Celtics fans, and it's all because of that Christmas Day game. And you're right. It's tough, man. You grew up a Lakers fan. You're from Philly. I hated Larry Bird. I've gone on record as saying it. I was not a Larry Bird fan. And I never thought I'd be working with the Boston Celtics, man. It's, it's crazy how life works out. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, kind of touching on that. I mean, um, you know, the what, what has been your uh, – me and Tom have spoken about our kind of favorite Celtics memories before. Um, I'm doing, I'll put this question to Tom after so he can tell you his. But uh, what has been your – you know, what has been your, your favorite memory, um, you know, following the NBA, what has been, whether it's with the Celtics, whether it's with the Lakers or whatever, what is, what was your first ever memory that if you were to think about it right now, a click of a finger, it would pop straight into your head? Well, for me, like, so my very first year, I came uh, to Boston in November of 2009. So it was the 2009-2010 season. Yeah. And so my first big memory was Lakers-Celtics NBA Finals in 2010. Think about it. As a kid growing up, to me, the Lakers-Celtics rivalry 
not only the greatest rivalry in basketball, but to me, the greatest rivalry here in North American sports, you know? And so for me, a kid of the 80s that grew up, you know, my heyday was the 80s when I loved basketball, to see the Lakers and Celtics actually duking it out for the NBA championship, I mean, what more can you ask for, right? And so I still remember going into game seven, game six and game seven, when we arrived in L.A., because I was in L.A. for those games, the first thing we did was go to a store and buy a raincoat, a poncho, because we just knew the Celtics were going to win the finals. And, you know, when you go into the locker room afterwards, there's champagne flowing and everything like that. And so you talk about the excitement, and then you have the Kendrick Perkins injury, and so just the range of emotions, and then the Lakers win game seven, the range of emotions. I'll, I'll never forget that moment. I'll never forget, you know, being at the Staples Center when the Lakers won the title, uh, just preparing for a Celtics win and then have it happen like that, you know, it was so devastating. The Celtics had to lead, too, in Game 7. Let's not forget that. Then Ron Artest and, and Derek Fisher hit some big shots. And so that's like my earliest, most fondest early Celtics memory. Well, that's, that's amazing. I mean, like, Tom, what, what, what was yours? What was yours again, Tom? I mean, like, obviously, it's nowhere near as good as that. I've got to be honest, Carl. That must be mind-blowing. To be in that, to be in that locker room as well, seeing, like, you're expecting to see like the Celtics win and you get, like you said, you bought the ponchos ready for it. And then you sort of see the other side of it, the flip side of the, the disappointment and stuff like that. So that's kind of crazy. I love that story. Um, for me, I think my first ever game, I think I was watching the Spurs heat. Obviously it's not the Celtics, but mm-hmm. it was the Spurs heat's final in that. And that for me was just insane. And that's what actually got me into basketball. And then instead of rushing into saying, Oh, I'm going to be a heat fan or I'm going to be a, a Spurs fan, I think I, I took my time and obviously watched the Celtics. And I think by that time, I think KG, Danny actually traded KG, Paul Pierce to Brooklyn. So then it was like the rebuild Celtics. So it wasn't really, that was a tough time, man. I mean, that was a tough period for the Seas. But I mean, the most recent one, like for me, is probably the whole IT era. In the fact of like, I, I don't know if you know, but IT is my hero. He's my idol. I love that guy. Just everything he is about the, I just idolize. I think he's amazing. So like, I think, you know, the playoffs against Washington, that was, that was a crazy game. Absolute mental game. I think like, I've never seen a player just put everything on the line like that. So that's like one of my biggest Celtics, Celtics memories. And obviously I, I, I just missed out on the awake championship, which I'm gutted about, but like watching back, that's probably one of the biggest memories for me. And like you say, with the, with the Lakers and Celtics game seven, that's another, another mo- a monumental moment that sticks in your mind because right. it was all on the line in Game 7 and things just didn't go our way. And if it, if it had been different, then, you know, that would probably be up there. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, for, well, like I said, for, for me, like my, my, well, my, it was, mine's a bit weird because obviously I, I became a fan of like 2004 when my friend came back from Boston. Brought me, he brought me a jersey. I had, he brought me like this little bubble head thing. It was, it was a really weird figure. Um, and then it was like, he brought me a hat as well. And... Um, I kind of fell in love with the Celtics then. Um, and after that, it was, you know, my first video or clip that I watched was Paul Pierce um, talking smack to Al Harrington and then dropping the, the shot over the top of it. And I, yeah. that was the first memory that I, I mean, that sticks into my head. And ever since then, you know, I've just got, that's my guy. That is, that, that, you know, I mean, it was Paul Pierce all the time then, all the time. Um, so, I mean, moving on from that, Kyle, 
obviously you said you were a Laker fan, um, kind of converted to Boston now. Like, so I'll, I'll put this to Tom as well, but who, what, who has been your favourite Celtics player and your favourite Lakers player of all time? That's a good question there. Favorite Celtics player, you said of all time? Of all time, of all time. It could be of anywhere. all time, wow. I'm going to have to go with Kevin Garnett, and here's why. Me and KG had a love-hate relationship. He loved to hate me. I don't know why. I didn't do anything to the guy, but he loved to hate me. But, you know, when you talk about that intensity every single night, you know, and, and not just on the floor. I mean, the dude was intense in the locker room. The dude was intense at practice. And, you know, I, I talk about, you know, a guy that, that changed the culture of a franchise. Like, Pierce is great. Ray is great. But they don't win without KG. The Celtics we know of right now, doesn't happen without Kevin Garnett. So when the chapter, the book is written about the Celtics, Kevin Garnett has to be a big part about it, especially, uh, you know, this most recent addition uh, of the Celtics over the last 15 years. My, my favorite Laker of all time is clearly Magic Johnson, right? Um, I sort of pattern everything after Magic, you know, whether it was my basketball game, being a facilitator, or trying to treat everybody you know, uh, the same, you know, off the court as well. You know, I, I've just always idolized Magic Johnson and, and just the way he played. Uh, so those two. I got to throw Ray Allen in there, Paul Pierce, you know, all those guys. Isaiah Thomas, like Tom mentioned. I mean, think about all the guys that have come up. You know, I'm throwing Nate Tiny Archibald. You know, I love watching him. Uh, Larry Bird, you know. And here's the thing about Bird. Remember I said I hated Larry Bird growing up? Well, it wasn't until I became like 18, 20 years old that I truly appreciated how great Larry Bird was and is. We had this discussion at NBC Sports Boston the other day. How would Larry Bird fit in today's NBA? And I think he'd be a very good player. I don't know if he'd score as well as he did in today's NBA, play, play, uh, NBA game, but what people don't talk about is his passing ability, guys. Larry Bird may be a top three passer, top four passer of all time. So we look at, you know, Bird scoring 28, 29 points. In today's NBA, I look at Bird dishing out nine or ten assists. He'd be a triple-double guy every single night. Mm. Well, even from the three, even by then from the three, I mean, obviously the three ball is, is huge in today's game as well. Yeah. So, I mean, I think he'd slot. I think he'd slot quite nicely in, to be honest. I don't, what, I don't know what you think, Tom. Yeah, I think he would, but like, like Carl mentioned something really good there about his passing ability. And I think back then, obviously that's what I got to watch on tape. I'm only a young pup, really, like when it comes <laughs> to watching guys like Larry. But I think the game, like defences have transitioned so much more now to be able to defend the three that I think him to get the three off now would be a lot harder for him because I think teams would necessarily like tighten up on him and he wouldn't have much that, the space that he had back then. So, like, for me, I think his passing now would have to be a huge thing in today's NBA. I think doing that, though, I think doing it, if they were to, you know, double-team him at some points, you've got Marcus. Imagine leaving Marcus yeah. open on a three. Like, it's just, it's just, that's going to be money all day, you know. JT's got the three as well. JB's got the three. Like, 
I think as you mentioned, we'll get on to our, this season in, in a minute, but I mean, you know, we, we've got, I don't know what you think, Kyle, but me, me and Tom, we kind of spoke about this in, in episode two, where, you know, we think that this is the most, obviously last season and the couple of seasons, obviously when we had Kyrie, they were supposed to be the Banner 18 season. Like, I don't think, I don't think any, anyone, everyone around the league is, is silly if they didn't think that that was a championship winning team right there. But I mean, going into this season, me and Tom have both said, you know, this has been um, the most fun to watch, the most exciting. And, you know, and that's all down to that young core of JBJT. I mean, what, what, what do you think about this season? How, how do you think it's gone? Uh, you think anyone's stood out? I know when we spoke on NBC at the start of the season, I said JB's going to have to come out because we've just paid him a lot of money. I feel like I feel he's done that. Um, I don't know. What, what, what do you think about the season? What, how do you think it's gone so far? Yeah, he's done that. You know, Jalen's had a tremendous season. Tatum's, you know, made that leap. He's an all-star now. But let's not forget, last season, Gordon Hayward was not Gordon Hayward, remember? And so I think the addition of a, a healthy Gordon Hayward, you know, was huge this season for the Celtics. You look at it. You got four, you know, borderline all-star guys. And so I, I, I thought this team was, was headed at, at least to the Eastern Conference Finals, depending on the matchups. You know, the only two teams that really scared me, Milwaukee and Philadelphia. And, you know, I, I love Kimball Walker, and I said it all throughout this season. Kimball Walker's greatest quality isn't scoring the basketball. You know, he told me, he said, Kyle, I could go out there and get 30, 40 if I wanted to. To me, Kemba's greatest ability is getting others to believe in themselves. Like, think about it. When Tatum's going off, Kemba keeps feeding him. Kemba's okay with it. Kemba is Jason Tatum's biggest cheerleader, I think, on the squad. And that's something we didn't have the last couple of years. I, I never sensed, you know, Kyrie genuinely happy that others were playing great. You know, whereas Kemba is okay with scoring 13-14 if Tatum's going off with 35-40. Yeah, and that's, that's exactly what I said. I, I mentioned it on episode two. Like, the one thing I love about Kemba is he, he's, he can actually do it all. If you need him to score, he can score. If you need him to, to be the passer, he can be the passer. And he's all about the team. He's that guy that I felt that this team needed last year to be where we're at. Yeah, we lost Al. And that, that was a disappointing one for me. I felt if, if we could have kept hold of Al and stuff. But, yeah. like, all that aside, Kemba coming in, has impressed me so much in the fact of he just wants the team to win. And I'd much rather a guy who wants a team to win and back the other guys than be that guy in the, in the locker room going, well, yeah, great, you scored points. I didn't really do it. Oh, I'll give you a few assists. I want that guy there going, man, you kicked ass tonight. Let's go and do it again tomorrow. Right. I, I'll keep feeding you the ball. You keep doing your thing. I'll keep doing my thing. Cohesion is the way to win championships and get to finals. Yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree. I mean, I love, I love Kemba. I mean, I, I liked him when he was in Charlotte anyway. Um, he put some big numbers against us a couple of times. But, <laughs> but no, I mean, yeah, he did. He's, he's, su he's such a great player. I mean, he is the, I mean, he, he is the epitome of a, of a team player. I mean, when, when we signed him, kind of, you know, we knew what we were going to get. We knew we were going to get someone who is all about a team. I mean, his situation in Charlotte, he was there for so long and he had absolutely nothing around him. Yeah, he would still go out there and he would absolutely throw everything 100% into it. So we all knew, yeah. him coming into a team which has got a couple of weapons, um, that he, he will thrive. And I think, I think he's done, obviously he's had some injuries this year with his, with his knee and stuff, hasn't he? But I mean, he's, 
Um, I, I think he's I think he's a, a formidable player. Um, yeah. One, I, I know you touched on it there, Tom. That obviously the loss um, of Al Horford um, was quite big for us. I mean, I I was quite upset that we got rid of Baines. I really liked Aaron Baines. Really liked Aaron Baines. But I mean, Kyle, for you, um, you know, what what was the what what was your biggest what was the biggest change from last season that you were most looking forward to? I suppose from this team. Well, I, I think you know the loss of Al. Al Horford is a Drapes guy. In case you didn't know, he's my guy for sure. <laughs> yeah. I'm a big Al. I should have threw his jersey up here behind me, uh, believe it or not. And so I, I thought the loss of Al would be the biggest. But you're right about Aaron Baines. I mean. Baines did a lot of things for this squad. And so Tice has done a great job this year. Canthers played well in spurts too. But, you know, Aaron Baines truly fit into Steven's system. And, you know, his three-point shooting has become even better out there in Phoenix. What did he have, seven in one game or something like that earlier this season, which is crazy. And so, you know, those two losses I, I think hurt the most. You know, Kemba for Kyrie, you lose, you know, the superstar – but you gain the team player, right? And so it, yeah. it's, not, it's not that much of a loss. But uh, I, I think, you know, one of the issues that we've seen this season is uh, depth, you know, losing a guy like Marcus Morris. You know, can you imagine a Marcus Morris coming off the bench, something yeah. like that? You know, maybe an Aaron Baines coming off the bench. And so, you know, I, I think that's, you know, where the Celtics uh, need to improve, obviously, is the bench. And, and losing so many key guys off the bench and relying on so many young guys, too, so many rookies actually in the rotation, uh, that's hurt the Celtics at times this season. You know, think about it. They got a lot of new players this year. They made some major changes, and, and for them to still be right there, uh, it, it's to me, you know, they're just scratching the surface of how good they really can be. Yeah, yeah definitely, definitely. I mean, that, that kind of moves on swiftly to kind of like my next question was, you know, what do you think that we're missing to be a championship contender. I know me and Tom spoke about this before previously, but, you know, I, I kind of said, you know, I think that we're, we are missing that dominant centre. You know, we're missing a player, you know, like Stephen Adams, for example. I, I really like Stephen Adams' game. Yeah. Um, someone like that uh, who can, you know, dominate inside the paint. And then, you know, our bench. I mean, Brad Wanamaker can only shoot so many free throws um, in, in a game. <laughs> Leave Brad alone. Brad's my guy, man. Leave Brad alone. <laughs> you said that, not me. You said that one. <laughs> I have to work with. <laughs> yep, yeah. I mean, I love Brad. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. But I mean, like, I think that's the one thing which, you know, is kind of um, stopping us being that full, full-blown contender is, is our bench. Um, and yeah. Position. No, I, I agree with you. I, I think the bench, uh, you know, is an issue. And, you know, when you get fully healthy and you bring, let's say, a Marcus Smart and his canter off the bench, those are solid. But then you're relying on rookies, you know, Grant Williams, uh, Romeo Lankford, you know, Javante, like, you know, and, and, and think about it. When a player goes down, and we've seen it during the season, a Gordon goes down or a Jalen goes down, you really don't have that bench, that guy that can come off the bench, maybe Marcus Smart, but then who replaces Marcus Smart? And so ideally you'd like to go eight, nine deep. And I'm talking, you know, eight, nine veterans, not, you know, six veterans and three rookies or anything like that. And so, you know, as much as I like Romeo and, and Carson and Grant and all those young guys, I, I think, you know, 
when you talk about winning the championship, I, I think, you know, you need some veterans off the bench. That's why, you know, I would have loved to see, you know, a guy like Jamal Crawford or something like that, or just some bench scoring to really come out there for the Celtics. Yeah, so I mean, obviously, would you bring, obviously you've spoken about the veterans and, you know, going in depth and stuff like that, but would you bring back someone like IT? Who, who would you bring into this into this Celtics team? Obviously, I'll put this question to you again in a minute, Tom, but yeah, Carl, who would you bring into this team to kind of bring it up to that level, you know? I don't know. It's kind of tough right now. You know, uh, during the season, I wanted a guy like Jamal Crawford or even a Marvin Williams, you know, you know, Marvin Williams going to Milwaukee. I, I just knew he was going to come here to Boston with his relationship with Kemba. You know, some people mention Isaiah Thomas, you know, and as much as I love IT, I, I just don't necessarily like that fit uh, for the Celtics. Uh, I don't know how much he has left in the tank. I'm sure he's going to go out there and, and try to prove all his doubters wrong. But, you know, I, I just think the Celtics are in a different position now. You know, I, I feel like, you know, Maybe a wing scorer, you know, somebody that can play multiple positions, two, three, and four, would uh, help them out. And so, you know, it'd be nice to have a guy like a specialist that, you know, when you're struggling offensively, you could throw him in there and he can go out there and get your buckets and get your buckets in a hurry. And, and to me, a guy like Jamal Crawford would have been nice. Uh, you know, and, and that's a veteran that's probably not looking to play 20 to 25 minutes, right? You don't need anybody that's going to come in and think they're the seventh man or anything like that. You need a specialist, I think, somebody that can come in there, get you some buckets, can go on a personal 10-0 run when the offense stalls. Well, yes, I mean, you need – basically, you need a Marcus, another Marcus. That's, that's what you need, don't you? <laughs> I know, right? A game changer, you know? Tom, what about you? What, what do you think we need? Yeah, I mean, I'm <clears> – <throat> sorry, excuse me. I'm, I'm completely with Drake. So, I mean – we need that scoring punch off the bench. That's, that's, that's what I think we are short of. I mean, the big man, yeah, we, we do need a big man. But, like, you look at what Daniel Tice has done this year. He's been great. I think he's probably been one of the most improved players we've seen. So, like, the big man sort of situation doesn't really worry me as much as that, like, we need a shooter off the bench. We need somebody that can come in, grab these young guys by the collar and say, look, let's go. This is what we've got to do. And like touching on the IT thing, IT's my guy. I love I love the guy. But people have got to realise the people that are saying, Oh, we should sign IT, you then have to go, right, well, Brad, Brad Wanamaker, you have to like you have to weave him and that puts the Celtics in a situation where they're gonna have to pay him. So the money becomes an issue there. Mm. So I think like a guy like IT, with money aside, as much as I believe in him, Kyle's right, like how much longer is he going to be able to go for? And, like, what's his situation? What's he going to want to come in and do? Is he going to want to be, like, a main player off the bench or is he going to want to come in and help the team? And does it even fit with Brad anymore? We don't know. Um, I'd love to see IT back. Will he come back? I don't, I don't think he will because it just, it, to me, it just, it doesn't make the greatest of sense when it's not what you really need right now to make this team go to the next level. Mm. No, I agree. I mean, so that's going to move swiftly on to my next question where, you know, obviously, Carl, you've, you've spoken to, you know, the players like IT. Uh, I mean, you've interviewed countless amounts of Celtics legends and, and, and greats. Like, what has been, what has been your favourite interview to do? I mean, who has been your favourite player that you've sat opposite on and just gone, wow? Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, 
so a couple years ago, I did a 90 minute interview with Ray Allen and that was pretty cool, but I'm going to go back to Kevin Garnett guys. I have to go back to Kev Kevin Garnett and let me explain why this is uh very early on my career, probably 2011, you know, the first time I walked on the team playing and, you know, I'm, you know, I've been around for a year or so, year and a half. And, but you know, KG still didn't know who I was really. And so I go on the team playing and you walk in and you got to walk past the players when you get on. As soon as I get on, I hear Kevin Garnett yelling out, darn, they let anybody on this plane. And I know he's talking about me, right? I know he's talking about me. So I keep my head down and uh, I just ignore it. Then like three weeks later, I'm at practice, you know, and I'm filming practice, you know, and KG yells out, man, y'all always filming us. Don't y'all got something better to do? You know, and I know he's talking about me. But with that being said, this is the All-Star game. I think 2011 was in Houston or 2013. I, I can't remember which All-Star game it was. But I told my boss at the time, if you send me to this All-Star game, I guarantee you I will get an interview with Kevin Garnett. And not only an interview, a one-on-one -on -one interview, just Kevin Garnett and I. So my boss says, all right, I'll send you to this All-Star game. So the week leading up to the All-Star game, I'm reaching all kinds of back channels, you know, talking to Kevin Garnett's family, talking to his agent, talking to the people close to him, saying, I need this interview. I need this interview. I get to Houston, and they say, Kyle, Kevin Garnett has agreed to do the interview. Now, if you know KG, he doesn't do many one-on-one -on -one interviews, right? He doesn't sit down with people. So after he got finished his media obligations, me, Kevin Garnett, my photographer, and Kevin Garnett's agent, we go into a separate room, and it's just us four for about 20 to 25 minutes, me and Kevin Garnett talking. And so even though Kevin Garnett gave me all this crap on the team <laughs> plane at practice, the fact that he did that interview, I'll never forget that, man. It was, it was surreal. It was cool. It was intense. We talked about his career, talked about retirement, talked about so many different things. And, uh, you know, that was one of my career highlights, being able to get a one-on-one -on -one with a guy like Kevin Garnett, who just doesn't do one-on-one -on -one interviews that often. Yeah, that's that insane. That is incredible. I mean, I'd love, to, I'd love to sit down with KG and just ask him a few questions. I feel like he'd chew my head off, but... I mean, <laughs> probably would, probably would. <laughs> well, I mean, I always remember what's the one story that sticks out to me with with KG was the was the locker room with the, with the was it the physio eating or something before the players, and you know he just, he just went in on them. And uh, I mean that just goes to show. Like you right, said, he, he slapped I, the food out the guy's head, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it just goes to show what kind of intensity he brought to the locker room. And like you said earlier, like that's the kind of guys that I think this NBA, this era at the moment misses. We don't have, you don't have, you don't have that kind of character in a locker room. I mean, I think it's got a lot softer now. Um, I mean, like, yeah. imagine having KG in this locker room with the Celtics now. I mean, they, he, no one would be missing a shot, I'll tell you. They definitely would be, <laughs> be hearing about it if they did. But, I mean, obviously, yeah, like you said, like, you've interviewed KG, obviously sat down with Ray and stuff like that as well. I mean, that, to be fair, for me growing up watching, and probably Tom as well, you know, that that would be that's that's a child that's a childhood dream just to be in a room with those guys, just talking basketball, talking Celtics, talking my life. I mean, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna put this question to you, Tom. I mean, if you could interview one Celtics player uh, of all time, if you could sit down with one Celtics player, who would it be with and why? 
Are you throwing it to me first? Or yeah, I'll throw it to you first, yeah, and then I'll throw it to Carl. Carl sat down with everyone, so... Yeah, <laughs> yeah fair enough, fair enough. Um, like, obviously, I'm going to say IT. It's ah, just too easy guy. to say, but, like, I'd probably go, uh, I don't know, like, someone, like, for the quality of the interview, and, like, I want to hear his story, probably Ray Allen, just to mm. hear about how, what it was like being, like, alongside guys like KG, Paul Pierce, Rondo, what that what that era was like going through them so many championship runs and you know all that build up. Obviously the 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 bad ending it had with it as well. And just I think like personally, I think that would make a really good interview because it's not something that's really been spoke about in detail until now, where the guys are actually trying to say right, come on, bygones be bygones and all right. that. But yeah, I think probably Ray Allen, It, KG will be on there, obviously. Um, actually, someone you work with as well, Carl, Tommy Heinsohn. I yeah. love that guy. Tommy, I love Tommy Heinsohn. I, I tune in. I love Mike Gorman as well. I love all you guys at the NBC Sports Boston. But like, those two are the, one of the main reasons why I became a big Celtics fan as well because the the play by play comment is just insane. Like, and the gut, the knowledge is just probably through the roof. Yeah, yeah think fun. about it with Tommy too. He's been around like more than 60 years around the Celtics. I mean, he's like a walking encyclopedia for the Boston Celtics. He's been around since the days of Russell. And now, you know, he's still around with these young kids. I mean, that dude, it bleeds green, no doubt. Yeah, so for me, for me, if I, if I, if I got to sit down with one Celtics player of all time and just talk to them, I would probably go things – obviously, I, I should really say Paul Pierce, but I'd love to sit down with Bill Russell. I'd love to sit yes. down with Bill and just literally go yeah. into depth about like everything about his career. I mean, he is Celtic's icon. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I, I think it'd be insulting not to, you know, to, I mean, I, I don't know what questions I would ask him. I'd be so like nervous. Like, man, like, there's so many things I want to ask you, but yeah. I would probably go with Bill. I mean, what about, what about you, Carl? Obviously, you have interviewed so many of them, but if you could sit down with one Celtics legend or, or anyone that you've not been able to, who, who would you sit down with and why? No, you're right. It, it would be Bill Russell, right? I mean, you know, think about it. That that guy is is you know an, an icon not only in basketball but in, in the entire world. I mean, and so just to pick his brain about what it was like, you know, uh, coming to Boston, winning championships, his philosophy on life. Just you know, he's the kind of guy I would want to pick their brain. You know, uh, so knowledgeable. Uh, you know, then you look at a guy like John Havlicek also. I mean, there's so many. Tommy Heinsohn. You know, and Tom, you brought up Tommy Heinsohn. The guy has a story for everything. And, and you know, yeah. as, as old as Tommy is and as long as he's been around, his memory is still great. And he still, you know, when I work with him, still talks about, you know, his glory days back in the 50s and the 60s and when he was a coach in the 70s as well. And so a guy like Tommy Heinsohn, you know, and of course Larry Bird too, man. You got to talk – you know, because you guys understand, I, I grew up in the 80s. It was yeah. Celtics-Lakers. And, you know, just to pick Bird's brain about facing Magic in the Lakers and basketball back then, that'd be cool also. Yeah, that'd be a seriously good conversation. Like, just to hear the experiences, like, it'd just be insane. You just get, like, like obviously, you've got the last dance that's come out now. Mm. But, like, it, it probably doing an interview like that would be the closest until something goes in production that'll be the closest that you could yeah. probably get to that sort of Celtics thing. Yeah. It, it, you know, and, and here's, what's interesting. We did a, uh, 
documentary here on NBC Sports Boston about the 1986 Celtics team. And so it was pretty good. It's sort of like the last dance, you know, a lot of old footage. Uh, I wish we would have been able to get, you know, that, that footage, you know, throughout the season, just, you know, cameras following them. Because when you talk about some of the greatest teams in NBA history, that 86 Celtics team is up there. Sure. You got the bulls, you got the warriors, you know, you got the Lakers, but that 86 Celtics team, and some of the characters on that team, Bill Walton, you know, imagine sitting down with Bill Walton, you know, and, and hearing some of the stories that he had. And so uh, you're right, man, that that 86 Celtics team would be awesome. We spoke about this on the, on the previous episode, didn't we, Tom, where we said that, you know, with the last dance, it'd be awesome to get, you know, I kind of went with, you know, it'd be, it'd be amazing to get a, a full documentary. I know you've done NBC Sports Boston did a documentary on the 08 Championship, uh, which we... we NBC, you need to make it available to us in the UK. There's so much content on the website which we cannot watch. And it's, it's, you can't watch it all. I feel no, bad. Oh, man. I'm surprised you had the memo from the social media, guys, because like every time you guys put something out on the NBC Sports Boston, I'm commenting, I'm like, guys, you've got to get this in the UK. We need that right now. We always do a backdoor link. There's always a backdoor link somewhere. But I mean, like, <laughs> hey, I may have to hook you up. I, I may have to take care of you. Yeah, we, you can see that. But I mean, like I said, that it'd be interesting to a full, you know, I don't even know if it's one being done, but of Larry Bird, you know, just literally from his upbringing right. and stuff, because it's been, he had an intense upbringing, didn't he, to, to get into the NBA, to winning the championship with the Celtics. I mean, I think, I feel like that'd be our last dance kind of. Our, our, yeah. Um, I think that'd be awesome to get something like that. And what was it you said, Tom? I can't remember. Yeah, I said, funny enough, you mentioned Bill Russell. I said, I wouldn't mind one round Bill Russell. And that sort of era, because like, like you said, Bill, like for the main reason why you want to interview him, Carl and stuff, it's like just to pick his brain and just like live as that guy, experience, like see what he had to deal with when he was in an era of where like it was so hard for a guy like himself, but he come through it. Come, arguably for me personally, like the greatest winner in basketball history, mm. just to see what it was like for him to go through what he went through when he grew up when he come into the league, what it was like playing around the other guys and like coming into a team where like, like you had red and stuff. It, it was just like, that would be ultimate for me just to see what a Bill Russell last dance would be great. No, I agree, man. Just like, like you mentioned, just to, to, to live in that guy's shoes or experience, you know, things through his eyes, you know, when, whether it's the racism in America or, you know, just, you know, going up against Will Chamberlain. Think about it. You had to do yeah. a battle against Will Chamberlain night in and night out. It'd be awesome to see. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, we're moving on. So, me, me and Tom, when we have our guests on, we've got a couple of games which we tend to play. Okay. Uh, so, there's two games. We'll start off with the first one which is a start, bench, and trade scenario. Ooh, I'm, I'm okay. going to give you three players. I'm going to give you three players. I give Tom this. I'll give, because you're Celtics, I'll give both of you the same players. Um, and yeah, you've got a start, bench, and trade one. So what we'll do is we'll do Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. We'll go, we'll, go with, we'll go with Marcus Smart again. We'll, we'll, we'll put, we'll, Tom, we'll put the same, we'll put the same team. Yeah. Two, two cards. I was going to say, you're trying to get payback for the three I gave you last week. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> so, we've got, got Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart. Who are you starting? Who are you benching? And who are you trading? Also, you can say, who are you trading them for? 
Wow, that's hard because I, I like them all, obviously. Starting Jason Tatum, right? Mm-hmm. <sighs> Jalen's really my guy, but so is Marcus Smart. Benching Marcus Smart, trading Jalen. And, and Jalen, I apologize. <laughs> You're my guy. But here's the thing. Marcus Smart gives you something neither of those guys do, right? Mm-hmm. That defensive intensity, you know, that, that, that intangibles. And so I feel like you got to have a guy like Marcus Smart to win. I trade Jalen Brown, but I'm not just giving Jalen away. You got to get, you know, an all-star caliber player or something like that. And so I would hate to do it because Jalen's my guy. And, you know, the thing that bothers me, and I'm going on a tangent here real quick, <laughs> why does it always have to be Jalen or Jason? Why yeah. can't we just like both guys? You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. It, it feels like every time we talk about Tatum, we're putting down Jalen. Or if we're talking about Jalen, we got to – no, they're both great players. They're both awesome players. And so, ideally, I'd keep them both. Yeah. yeah. Who, who, who are you trading? Who are you trading Jalen for, though? You get one player. Uh, who am I trading <laughs> Jalen for? I was cheating. to get a big man, right? Yeah. And so, you know – I would have included him maybe in a package for Anthony Davis last year or something like that. But I'm not trading Jalen for a Steven Adams or somebody like I need a bona fide NBA borderline all-star, preferably a young guy. I don't want a 31, 32 year old if I'm trading Jalen. Okay. Tom, what about you? Who are you start bench and trading? I hate this game. This is the worst (laughs) game ever. Answer it, Tom. It's your turn. First thing. Oh, obviously I'm, I'm starting Jason all day long. I mean, that kid's a star. I, I said I'm holding back from the superstar status for now because I believe it won't be fair on him to give him that status right now. He's going to be the MVP in the next five years. He's going to be in the running even more so going forward now. I'm starting Jason. Um, <laughs> It's a tough one, that second. I'll bench, I'll bench Jalen, and I love Marcus Smart. I, I, I wrote an article not long ago saying Marcus Smart is the ultimate Celtic. If you're looking for a Celtic, you're looking for a guy like Marcus Smart. He, he's just team, 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 and he loves, he loves the team. But uh, like I said to you before on episode two, Nath, like Jalen Brown, going back to what Carl said, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, I'm not taking one or the other. I'm taking both. I'm not putting one above the other. I'm having both. That's the closest thing we've had, in my opinion, to Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett sort of situation where we know we got two all-stars, two star players on our hands. So I'm keeping those guys together no matter what. And I'm, unfortunately, I love you, Marcus, but I'd have to trade Marcus. <laughs> Where's Marcus going? What, what, what are you getting for Marcus? I'm doing a three-way trade. So I don't know really. I don't really know how I'm going to do it. But I trade Marcus for like another player, get another team involved, trade that player to them, take the picks and take Marcus back. So I'm not really trading. It's a bit cheating. <laughs> I'm doing a three way trade that brings Marcus back to Boston and some picks. I don't know. <laughs> to be fair, mine, that has been mine and Tom's answer for the past like for episode <laughs> one, episode three. So you missed the trick there, Carl. You could always bring him back. You just got to do it as smart. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You could bring him back. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And then the final, the final game that we're going to be playing is, you know, okay. So you've got a fantasy draft, right? 
Do you mean you are the GM of the Boston Celtics? Fantasy draft. Any player in the team is available. Any, any player in the league is available. Sorry. Who are you picking? Who is your number one pick? Who, who is that person going to be to build the next Boston Celtics franchise around? And we're saying everybody's healthy, right? So Kevin Everybody. Durant's healthy, you know. Yeah. Are we talking for one season or to build your franchise for years to come? For years to come. So actually, I'll tell you what, we'll put this out because we did this yeah. with our last guest as well. That We'll give you your starting five. So if you give us your starting five on a fantasy draft, who are you taking and why? And also, you've got to be careful because this fantasy draft of all of our guests, we're going to be, we're going to be plugging them into 2K at the end of the pod season and we're going to be doing the sim games and then whoever the champion is is going to be the champion of you that uk celtics pod t-shirt something like that oh, i'm not worried then i'll win that because here would be my starting five and everybody's healthy yeah everyone's healthy steph curry mm -hmm. luka Doncic, Kawhi leonard kevin durant and who would I Anthony Davis? Yeah. Boom, mark it down, boys. Mark it down. <laughs> no Celtics players in there. That's a solid five, to be fair. No Celtics players in there, Kyle. That's gonna that's gonna flick some eyelids. You didn't tell me I had to. <laughs> <laughs> I just went with the top five players in the league, maybe, you know. And I wanted to throw LeBron in there, but I'm like, no, LeBron's getting a little too old. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, it's interesting because you know our, our previous guest he 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 chose LeBron, so I mean that's going to be an interesting. I'm surprised you didn't go with Giannis. I mean Giannis is. Wow, I forgot about Giannis. Yeah. that's tough. But, but Anthony Davis more complete uh, of a player. Uh, Kevin Durant completely healthy mm -hmm. is a great player. So I'm happy with my team. I'm I'm happy. Yeah, so me, me and Tom aren't giving our teams away. We're going to be involved in it as well, but we're not giving away our teams until the final episode of the season. I need that time to think about it, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, basically, I was digging through some archives because I can get on the NBC Sports Boston website okay. through various, various ways. But I was doing some digging through the archives, right? And I found a little segment of you and Scal. And I think you and Scal have just been back and forth. And somebody tweeted in and said, Scal, I can't believe you're giving this A. Sherrod guy a proper education. So like, my, my question to you is, is that still a thing? And was it a thing? It is still a thing. People still confuse me for A. Sherrod Blakely. And here's the thing, guys. I like Sherrod a lot. He is my guy, but come on. Like, uh, <laughs> there's not anything that bothers me more than being confused for A. Sherrod Blakely. It crushes me. It happens at every game. Oh, I hate it. So it's still going on, man. We did that, <laughs> that whole like segment it? telling people, yeah. I am not A. Sherrod Blakely. <laughs> is that something that you guys, like, you guys are, like, have a laugh at? Because obviously you do the, you do the Celtics Talk podcast. I thought I'd, I want to plug that because that's amazing. I know you had that. Uh, you had Danny and uh, Wick on recently yeah. talking about the league and stuff. I love that podcast. So I'm always listening to that with you, Chris, and obviously A. Sherrod. Like, but is that something like that you, you actually joke about yourselves as well? Yeah, yeah. It's funny because uh, 
I always tell Sherrod, you know, I'm like, I'm sure people mistake you for me, right? People call you Kyle, right? And he's like, nope, it never happens. And so he, <laughs> he, yeah, it's, uh, he always jokes. So it, it is what it is, man. I just got to keep doing my thing. And uh, eventually people will get it right. Is the, uh, is, the, is the secret Santa in the office a bit, a bit wild then? Does, does a Sherrod get <laughs> Exactly, exactly. And you know what happens? When people call me a Sherrod, I just ignore them so that they think I'm a big jerk. And then they'll think A. Sherrod Blakely is a jerk. So that's how I get him back. <laughs> I just ignore him, you know? I love that tactic, my guy. Drake, man. Honestly, <laughs> it's been a pleasure. Thank you for coming on. It's been, it's, been, it's been great to speak to you, man. I appreciate it. Thank you, Tom. Thanks, my guys. So, yeah, Carl, I mean, thank you so much for coming on. It's, it's, been, it's been good to um, the, I mean, talk about your career, talk about, you know, you at the Celtics. Some of the players, I mean, like, you've interviewed some crazy players. Um, yeah, I mean, just, just to talk basketball with you. And obviously, you know, you are my guy. Well, you're now Tom's guy, no doubt, as well. Tom's so. guy, too, yep. <laughs> Thanks so, for having me on, fellas. Anytime, man. I got to get back out there, too. I got to get back to London. You know, that's my city. I love it out there. Had a great time. Yeah, 100%. 100%. I mean, next time yeah. we go to London, we'll do a special. We'll try and do a live, a live pod next time in London. Yes. Um, with, with us three. So we'll, we'll sort that out, definitely. And obviously, no doubt, I am going to be coming over for... KG's jersey retirement, so no doubt we'll we'll, we'll uh, meet up then and, and talk some ball. Next time I'm going to come with my aim game because I'm not going to let Scal uh, <laughs> at me so much like he did last time. <laughs> exactly. All right, boys, thanks for having me. No worries, man. Really, really appreciate it. So yeah, guys, this has been episode three of that UK Celtics podcast with Carl Draper. Hope you guys enjoyed it, and remember to review, like, share the pod in no matter whatever way you possibly can. Really appreciate it. So from me and from Tom, uh, yeah, peace, guys. So that's the end of this week's That UK Celtics podcast. We're back next week with another episode. And be sure to like, subscribe, review and share the pod. But until next time, people, peace.